welcome to Good People to Know, a down-to-earth podcast brought to you by WFI Insurance, where we talk about the things that matter most to regional Australians. My name is Andrew Beer, Executive General Manager of WFI Insurance, and throughout this series, we'll be speaking about a number of issues that matter to primary producers, from climate change to disaster resilience and the role of technology, to name a few. To discuss these issues and more, I'm honoured to today be joined by New South Wales Minister for Agriculture and Western New South Wales, Dougal Saunders. Minister Saunders was elected to the New South Wales Parliament as the Member for Dubbo in 2019 and was appointed as Minister for Agriculture and Western New South Wales in 2021. Prior to politics, Minister Saunders has an impressive 27 years in the media, so he could probably host this podcast far better than I. Minister, thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure, Andrew. Good to be here. Minister, what's on top of your, your priority list at the moment? What are the key things that the New South Wales Government is working on in the ag space? Look, I think at the moment the, uh, the, the number one priority I've got um, is, is pretty clear and it's around biosecurity. Um, you know, we've got all sorts of threats that are unfortunately just on our doorstep. Um, that includes lumpy skin disease and also foot and mouth disease, which have both been detected in Indonesia. Um, both are, you know, problematic from a number of reasons, obviously, just with the, the disease scenario, but from a purely economic uh, problem as well, the cost is astronomical. Um, lumpy skin, I think, is estimated to, to cost about $6 million a day if it comes in. Foot and mouth disease, um, up to $16 billion, even if it's contained within around a month. Um, and then each week or day it continues, you add billions more dollars to that. So, you know, there's significant... Um, I guess, concerns around uh, how we can um, be prepared in a better way for that. One of the things that I'm really working on quite um, significantly at the moment, and obviously we've got a new federal government that's come in, some federal support, but also support individually from each of the other states around how we move forward with mRNA vaccine production and, well, first of all, development and then production so New South Wales is really well placed to actually guide and provide the expertise around the vaccine development. We've got the Elizabeth MacArthur Institute in Western Sydney where um, the ability is there. We can do PCR testing in the field very quickly, very easily. Um, so early detection is something we can manage significantly well, but we also need to be able to right now start developing the ability to do mRNA vaccines and you know, we, we were all aware of mRNA vaccines through COVID. Uh, this is a simple application of the same type of technology into an animal disease. And that will be our best way of, of dealing with things very, very quickly and very, very succinctly. The only other way really is to, to have a live virus of either or come into the country, but with that comes huge risk and also not being able to tell the difference between an infected animal and one that's just been dosed with a live virus. So mRNA very clearly seems the best way forward and that is that is taking up a lot of time, effort uh, and money and I'll be hoping that we have not just federal government support but support from all other states um, into the very near future. Minister, you just, you just touched on a couple of challenges there and uh, just to expand that maybe other challenges that, that, that you see but also opportunities that uh, our farming customers in New South Wales face today. I think challenges are definitely around the weather, which, you know, in farming uh, of any kind, livestock production or, or large-scale farming, um, grain or pulse production, it's always about the weather, isn't it? And uh, at the moment, we're seeing really, really difficult times north and south of New South Wales. Um, I've been in the north coast and northern rivers area again recently where 
Um, apart from the actual flooding, the devastating floods that went through, there is just continual rain and every five or 10 millimetres of rain that happens adds another week worth of inundation for property owners in many cases. So, you know, we've got severe concerns around animal health and welfare just from standing in sodden paddocks constantly. Um, that is that is really difficult to manage. Um, part of the discussion will end up probably being some fairly difficult discussions around, um, you know, whether that is a practical thing to be doing medium, even short, but certainly medium and longer term. Um, so looking at, at trying to provide some so solutions there, and you look at industries like dairy, um, and I've caught up with a, a large group of uh, dairy farmers from the, the southern areas of New South Wales around Nowra at Pyree, and they're all uh, just facing this inordinate challenge around conditions with continual rain, um, constantly fighting for better pricing for their fantastic produce and, and product, um, and constantly fighting with things like mastitis and, and foot disease and things that they're going through with the weather as well. So there are plenty of challenges. I mean, thank you, thankfully, we have top quality vets on the ground through LLS and our private vets. We have great um, ag extension advisors on ground trying to provide that, that best possible advice. Um, and you might be aware, I just recently announced um, an extension for another three years of funding for our rural financial counsellors. So an extra $5 million going in from the state government to top up the federal contribution to make sure that our rural financial counsellors continue to do the work that they do. And part of that is around you know, meaningful advice on ways to, first of all, access grants and low interest loans and the help that you might be entitled to through the state government, but also farm planning and resilience planning around what you actually see your business being short term and into the future. So um, a, a lot of that is important to, to keep telling people about. And, you know, it's sometimes they're very difficult discussions, but they're discussions that do have to be had. So as a minister, um, you would have seen a lot of innovation going on in the, in the, the agricultural space over recent years, and certainly Australian farmers, I think, are among the most innovative in the world. Um, you know, what, what sort of work is the New South Wales government doing to work with prime producers in, in the area of innovation? Yeah, look, I guess innovation comes in, in lots of different ways. Um, you know, we have extremely um, sophisticated people involved in the Department of Primary Industries itself, um, who are always looking for advances in in technology. Um, and technology can be everything from finding drought or flood resistant strains of grain or uh, or pasture uh, to, to, to also things, um, you know, like supporting industries better with um, digitisation, um, delivery of, you know, some of the future farming systems that we, we want to see and that can include things like training on drones or better telemetry systems for monitoring water supply, um, different ways of monitoring stock health and movement. Um, so there's, there's a range of things around that. And I, I guess part of that is around capturing the expectations of agriculture, moving into some changes in, um, in digital activity um, and being prepared to be, to be looking at doing at that. It's, it's one of Probably agriculture is one of the least digitised sectors that we have. Australians in general are pretty good at taking up um, all sorts of technology and, you know, our take up of mobile phones has been a really good example of that. Like Australians love something that, that feels like you're advancing um, and you can, you can access a whole range of different things. And I think, 
you know, agriculture is one of those ones that is, is definitely still increasing its opportunity um, to be part of that digital environment and, and providing literally on-farm solutions, but also connecting your business better through digitisation. Now, having said that, part of the limiting factor is connectivity. Um, and one of the main things I'm working on, particularly for, um, for Western parts of the state, is around connectivity. And it, it won't necessarily be around being able to make a phone call through your mobile phone, but it will be around having data connectivity uh, and where the phone calls move to being made from, you know, WhatsApp using data as opposed to using a mobile phone signal. Um, data connectivity is far in, more important than black spot mobile connectivity, I think, in, in ag sectors. So knowing that you can have data there, which can be provided in a slightly different way. And we're already seeing private companies take that up really well. And, you know, Starlink, the, the Elon Musk close Earth orbit satellite system is a good example of that. You know, often, uh, in fact, almost 100% of the time, private enterprise can do things far more quickly with far more agility than government can. So I see my role as being supporting and helping provide some of that maybe enabling infrastructure or, or grant processing, but to, to help private enterprise come up with the best solutions because they can do it far quicker and, and, and far more meaningfully than often government can. So, you know, th that part of the equation probably needs to come before there'll be more growth in digital, but I think they together form a really important part of the future. You know, for WFI, we see firsthand the damaging impact of natural disasters on communities, and they only seem to be becoming more, more severe and more frequent. Prime producers are not, not immune to the impact of these events. So, you know, what's your experience being talking to, 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 to farmers uh, who have been impacted by the recent floods uh, or even bushfires going back a couple of years ago? Yeah, look, it's one of those things that, you know, when you're involved in, in agriculture, uh, you know there will be challenges. Um, and whether it's drought or flood or fire or mouse plague or locust plague or COVID, um, you know, we've had a pretty bizarre three years, to be honest. And I certainly couldn't have imagined coming into my role as an MP, let alone as a minister, that there'd be the sort of things we're, we're facing. Um, there's no doubt that uh, there are some really tough times. You know, when you're talking to people that have had their livelihood feels like being completely ripped away from them. It's really hard. And um, I consider it, uh, I guess, a, a privilege to be able to represent um, the voice of government, to be able to talk to people about meaningful ways that we can help. And, and most people like, like hearing it framed in the way that it's a hand up, not a handout. Pe people, and particularly farmers, don't want to be told they're being given a handout. They want to know that they're being provided an opportunity to succeed under their own steam rather than being literally propped up. So, you know, the, the, the discussions I've been having recently are around, I guess, industry-specific help that can actually provide, you know, that medium long-term solutions that I talked about earlier on. So the, the grants that we do, and we've got a range of grants at the moment uh, for primary production. The first important one is the $75,000 um, disaster recovery grant, where it literally is about trying to make sure that you can get stuff that's been um, completely wrecked, and it might be a fence, you can get things done as quickly as possible to get back to some level of normality. It doesn't mean that this is gonna prop your business up or be the only thing you're accessible or able to access, but it does mean it's there to try and um, fill a gap very quickly for you if that's what you need. The longer term stuff is more about um, 
uh, you know, I, I guess having people on the ground that can help reassess where your primary production industry is up to, um, where you see the future opportunities being for your farm business and how best we can help. And there will be some, some targeted announcements I'll be making over the next couple of months um, and also some longer term low interest loans. We've got the Farm Innovation Fund, which has been hugely successful over recent years in helping things like leading up to droughts um, and during droughts where um, water infrastructure has been a huge part of uh, people's success story. Um, we also need to look at that from every other aspect, including flood. And, you know, I, I spoke to people the other day um, around the North Coast and, and Northern Rivers that it had, had thought they had prepared well enough and it had made flood mounds in certain sections of their property, which have, have been, um, you know, completely swept away by the rising water. So. You know, preparedness um, for that and, and knowing that it's unlikely we'll see another flood like that in hopefully living, uh, you know, the rest of our lifetimes. But it, it's about recognising that things do change and, um, you know, looking at different ways to be part of that discussion into the future. And for some people, it will be re rebuilding herds. Again, a low interest loan is probably a really good option for them because you, you don't start getting money back from, a say, a cattle enterprise within two years, it's five, six years before you're really seeing turnaround and money flow back in. So a low interest loan that gives you confidence to go into the market and start buying and, and recommitting your breeding, breeding program can be a really good thing. So it's individual needs and I want to make sure we're meeting those individual needs one-on-one -on -one as much as we can, as quickly as we can. Um, and I really do want all primary producers to know that we're, we're trying to make sure that every possible scenario is covered. Um, but always happy to hear um, about what they need and, and what can make a difference. We, we certainly talk about building resilience in, in our rural communities, in our farming communities. Um, how do you think business and government can work together to address some of these issues? Oh, look, I think, you know, mostly the ways to do that are through just genuine um, and regular interaction. Um, I've got a, very much an open-door policy um, as a local member, as, uh, as a minister as well. Like, there's, there's nothing that I'm not prepared to have a yarn to somebody about. And I think um, just being open to have the discussion is a really important part of that. Um, I've actually just set up um, what I'm calling AgMag, my Agriculture Ministerial, Ministerial Advisory Group. Um, and that'll have two, two parts to it. One will be an industry focus and one will be a, a working group grower type focus um, that I'll be starting to engage with. I've already actually started um, talking to people about being part of that group just to help inform me directly from an industry level and also from a, a grower level um, about lots of different aspects of, of ag. Um, so I think that's a meaningful way of, of getting immediate feedback on some of the things we might be looking at from a policy perspective um, and also some of those issue pers uh, issues perspectives as well. So it's really having you know proper engagement, proper open door policy, and I think the more you can do that, um, the better the relationship can be, and the better feedback you actually, the honest feedback you receive, which is what genuinely I want. And just while we're on the topic of natural disasters, and I'd like to commend your government on the great work that's being done to tackle some of these challenges that climate change presents. I know you recently announced a $125 million investment in the primary industry's productivity and abatement program to drive sustainable land management, boost productivity and help reduce emissions. Could you elaborate uh, with us a bit more about, the, about that program? Yeah, look, the, the, we're, we're nicknaming that PIPAP um, and it's, um, we actually launched it on a cotton farm at Wee War. Um, 
which some people would say well, it seems odd to be talking about that on a what is a large-scale cotton-producing farm, but it's a really good example of uh, a family business that utilises its farming systems and looking for opportunities to increase um, the the soil carbon build-up on its property, um, carbon sequestration and reducing emissions. So it was actually a, a perfect way uh, to, I think, change what can be a... Um, or probably a, a negative stereotype that industries uh, like cotton might face to show that, in fact, um, simple changes to farming practices at the highest level can have a massive impact on both building of your own soil carbon, but also the supply chain down the track. So, I mean, we've got um, quite a few things going on in, I guess, what you would call the, the carbon market or the, the, the climate change market at the moment about around helping businesses of all kinds and sizes to maybe look at some of the opportunities. Um, some, some people are already actively involved in that and have uh, you know, carbon credits they receive for, for doing certain things. Um, we're also now looking at different ways of um, b- both measuring and incentivizing the opportunity for people to actually make money in a meaningful way if they're able to change their farm practices in certain ways. So there's a fair bit of work going on at the moment around what we're calling natural capital and how we can take advantage of that natural capital and incentivise people. But but to do that well, and even with that, that PIPAP program we're talking about, there does need to be a, a way of you know, actively and accurately measuring what we're talking about and reflecting that back to farmers at a level where they can feel like they're doing it for a reason. Um, and if, if we're saying, well, we'll incentivise you to do something, uh, we need to be able to actually financially uh, make that a viable part of farming practice. Um, so, you know, I think there are lots of opportunities in that space. Um, there are lots of things that we're doing um, uh, even around farm forestry, you know, forestry is part of the agriculture portfolio and we've got new codes of farm forestry that have just been activated about three weeks ago about regenerative renewable. It's the ultimate renewable resource forestry um, and with um, responsible harvesting of selected species, you're actually helping regenerate forest, which is helping sequester carbon in a far better way than, than just leaving trees in, in huge clumps. So, you know, you, you create more sunlight through canopies, you regenerate forests, you create our, our timber resource going forward into the future, and you're actually doing that as part of a, a circular thing, which is helping build our resilience around climate. So, yeah, there are lots of different things that we can, we can con- continue, I guess, to talk about and continue to encourage farmers to be part of. Um, and as I say, we've got a, a natural capital piece at the moment that we're doing some initial talking around. Um, and at some point, we'll, we'll probably have a bit more to say um, and a bit more discussion around how that might look in a meaningful way for farmers. Yeah, thank you. And certainly, uh, it's a major topic at the moment, uh, um, identifying natural capital, valuing natural capital and the like. It certainly is one of the, uh, a major discussion point uh, across the farming sector. Um, just on a, on a personal note, what, what's the best part of your job as Minister? What do you enjoy? That's a good question. Um, look, I'm I'm um, I'm lucky. I guess I've I've come from a, a farming background. When I was much younger, I grew up on a couple of different family farms, and you know I loved the way I grew up, having having a you know the ability to have a bit of space around me, ride horses, milk cows, run sheep. You know, I, I had what I would call a pretty idyllic upbringing in a in a regional area. 
before moving into media and, and I never really thought that, that there would be a, an opportunity for me to be involved um, back in, in agriculture per se. Um, but more and more, I guess, as you uh, get involved in things and, and probably really started with my media career um, and the people I was talking to when I moved back to this region around Dubbo where I, where I live, um, was, was seeing the opportunities that are there and the, the absolute, um, I think, pride and opportunity that people see for agriculture of all kinds. Um, so really, the, to answer your question, the best part of my job, I think, is, is being able to, to meet people. That's what, I, um, that's what I really thrive on, is, is hearing people's stories, finding ways that you can uh, maybe add to their ability to do what they do even better than what they can at the moment. Um, and I'm lucky enough to, to be able to meet with a range of people from a range of backgrounds who are always wanting to tell you about what they do and why they do it. Um, so really the best part of my job is, is meeting the people who do what we call agriculture and um, being able to support them in, in every way I can. And um, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty good job. It's a pretty busy job, but it's one of those things that um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be the Minister for Agriculture and um, I'm, I'm really going to make sure that I take advantage of every opportunity I can to help promote what we do as the agricultural industry across New South Wales um, and make sure that people feel like they're being represented in a really meaningful way. And no doubt, Minister, we, we, we've touched on some of the challenges that agriculture faces, but there's also a lot of optimism around the, the agricultural sector um, over the years ahead. So there's certainly pl- plenty to be excited about, isn't there? I think so. And look, at, you know, whilst we talk about um, some of the devastation that's happening at the moment um, with, with the flooding, and it's, it's, it's sort of hard to put into words. You do need to, to sort of see it. There's a lot of areas of New South Wales that are extremely wet at the moment. La Nina's forecast to continue right through spring. Um, that is going to make things very difficult for a lot of people for another three to six months. Um, there's, you know, there are going to be some more tough times ahead. But at the same time, you also have the old saying of you can make money out of mud, you can't make money out of dust. And I think people, just from a, an optimistic factor, as you mentioned, people are feeling like there is a way forward. Agriculture was worth about $21 billion last year. Uh, it will be worth more than that. The ABEAR forecasts are for continued growth in every sector. Um, you know, we've got record high prices for cattle. We've got sheep still right up there um, holding firm. Um, and with uh, other parts of the world facing some crises, including war and drought, um, there's an opportunity for, for us in a whole range of, of uh, grains and, and pulses and oil seeds that, that are really, really um, incredible. So opportunity is there. That doesn't mean there aren't challenges as well around pricing of fuel and fertiliser and steel and all the inputs. But at the moment, the balance is still with an optimistic outlook for agriculture. And I think people, you know, people are looking at it being an actual pathway for young people again. Um, And that's the other thing that I do think is important to encourage young people to return to both family farms, but also look for opportunities um, just in, in farm businesses to be part of what is really the engine room of regional New South Wales, and that's agriculture. So, Minister, thank you. And on that positive note, uh, I'm very grateful for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we look and wish you every success uh, with the portfolio. Good on you, Andrew. It's been great to have a yarn and uh, look forward to catching up down the track. <laughs>